It's Triple M's homegrown right around the country and on the brand new listener wrap tonight. Well, this week is a celebration of a festival that's brought us so much joy over the years. A happy 21st birthday, over 4 million punters and 220,000 stubby holders sold. Uh, and this Saturday, bring it in their 500th show and it doesn't get any better. With Crowded House and some other incredible acts playing over this summer. Florence and the Machine. Sting 2. How about Robbie Williams? Oh, we're not done. We're not done. How about the Killers? And 500 show. What better way? Crowded House. As I welcome someone I consider a good friend, I'm very lucky, uh, Mick Newton, the founder of the festival. Welcome to Triple M's Homegrown, man. It's an absolute pleasure to have you here. Thanks for having me, Matty. And uh, I got a little bit emotional there hearing all those bands that we've got coming up. And it's been a a wild ride over the last 20 years. And who knew I'd be sitting here in Triple M 20 years later (laughs) with 500 shows down. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say, does it feel like it's gone quick? Does it feel like it's... Yeah, it does really. But um, when we announced that we'd done the 500, I got calls from so many different people saying, like, that's actually an amazing feat, you know, to be a promoter for 20 20 years in Australia and still be here to be doing outdoor shows for 20 years and still be here. That's, that's, uh, an, another thing altogether. And it, just, yeah. it makes me really proud of, um, of what we do. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like it's such a unique festival, but before we touch on it, I'd mm. like to like get your backstory. I know about it, but I'm sure there are a lot mm. of people listening now that have been to down the greens before. How did you get started in the music industry and how did down the uh, green kind of come together? I always thought when I was a young fella that, um, I'm going to have a real problem going to work. And uh, I used to see people in suits and ties and, you know, doing, um, you know, what, what they might be considered, you know, kind of dull, that I consider dull jobs. And I thought, I don't yeah. know how I'm going to do it. I just yeah. don't know. So anyway, I went to uni, long story short, dropped out of law, um, started managing a couple of little bands and I couldn't work out how to get them gigs. Right. Yeah. So um, I walk into Premier Artists one day and uh, there was such a buzz in there and they were booking loads of bands. This is back in maybe 88, 89, yeah, something cool. like that. Frank Savala was in charge and, yep. um, and I realized that this could be a good place to work. And, um, after a little while, the poster boy left, who was like, you called the gopher, the shit kicker, whatever you want to call him. Right. And I went for the job and I walked in and had an interview with Frank and, um, I had a suit and tie on. <laughs> he said, I think you're overqualified. For this. He goes, no, Frank, I really want the gig. I really want to work here. So I, anyway, I get the job next day. I'm going to, um, I'm going to work in boardies and, and jeans yeah. and I'm going to gigs and I'm picking up Frank's punters pal and his ham and cheese rolls, and, yeah. but just going to gigs all the time, mate. And, um, immersing myself in it. I used to have a stereo in my office, but I always used to turn it down and just listen to what was going on in the agency, especially to Frank and, and Gerard as well out the back. And, um, after a few months, um, I think one of the agents left and I'd already started to build up a little roster myself on the side. And I stepped into, um, an agent's chair and yeah. that was, yeah, that was late 89 or 90. And I was there for about 10 years, yeah. you know, working at Premier and I had a roster of bands and it was super exciting. And, um, some of my artists were a little bit older and they couldn't get on the big day out, which was probably the only festival around at that time. Home Bay had st- just started. There was Byron Bay blues, but there was nothing for older artists. And, and some of them were, you know, you know, hammering me about why can't we get on this or, uh, 
you know, and so I said to Frank, um, and also like Michael Gudinski was obviously, um, the owner of Premier Artists too. So I was in, an, in at Dundas Lane in headquarters there and got to know Michael as well over the time. And, um, and I thought that we'd put, you know, contemporary artists on in, um, amazing locations. And it, it to me, it didn't seem right to do footy grounds or parks or, 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 or things like that. So Lewin Estate at the time in, 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 over in Margaret River were doing um, jazz artists and opera and all that kind of stuff. So we thought we'd just put contemporary artists in the winery setting. We did our first show down in Mornington. It worked. Yeah. Uh, much to our surprise, <laughs> we made money and then we did another show uh, with Paul Kelly and James Rain up mm. in Bendigo and that was the second show. So the first year we only did one show, the second year we did two, yep. the third year we did five, the fourth year we did 12, yeah. you know, yeah. and it just kept growing. It just kept growing really quickly. We just thought it was a good idea at the time and it kind of turns out it was. Yeah. And what I reckon what I think is genius about Down the Green is my perception of a festival, obviously I was quite young then, but looking back on it and I remember going to festivals younger, you're standing, you're out in the heat, you know, you've got to get a line up. It's a lot of it is actually quite uncomfortable. Yeah, so right. when you think about a festival going, Hey, you can go to a winery, you can sit down, Yeah, you can bring your own food, you yeah. can do your own right. It's just like, it's genius in a way. Well, and it, you can watch a band in a comfortable setting. Yeah. Well, it wasn't even genius. It was just like, I'm sick of going to see bands at 11 o'clock at night. You know, I was, I was an agent. I'm getting up, you know, I'm on the couch in my tracky dacks. Yeah. It's 10 o'clock. I've got to get dressed and go to a gig. Are you yeah, kidding me? Yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. And so we just thought, well, <clears throat> let's, let's do it. So you can sit around with your friends. You can have a drink. You can bring your own food and not get ripped off. And you can be comfortable and, you know, people can go away for the weekend and make a weekend of it or get a bus out there and what have you. And, um, yeah, look, yeah. And, and, and now the shows, you know, we you know, some of the shows we're doing are, um, you know, 25,000 capacities um, yeah. and our smallest winery I think is about 8,000 8, capacity. So was it a hard sell at the start to pitch a festival mm. at a winery? Because it is quite a... You know, they're quite set in their ways in, in some respect. And all of a sudden mm. having thousands of people coming through in the vineyards and, you know, back it, then when it started, was it a hard sell? It, it kind of was, yeah. to be honest. But, and, and it took a lot of being on the phone, selling the concept, going to the winery. Like we'd, we'd, what we'd normally do is ring a local council and say, look, this is our concept. We've done one show. We want to expand. And they'd like, say it was a Hunter Valley or, or Barossa Valley or somewhere mm. like that. And that you know, the council would identify what they thought were the best venues to, because oh, okay. they yeah. knew, knew the clever. lay of the land. Yeah. That's clever. So we'd go to those wineries, have meetings, been Badger Estate in the Hunter Valley. We've been there since 2002, you know, yeah, since yeah. Our, it was our sec second or third show. Mm. Um, and yeah, so, but it was, a, it was a lot of outgoing calls, you know, it was a lot of, um, a lot of travel, a lot of selling the concept to artists as well, because yes. they were a little bit sort of shy of like, oh, a winery, I'm not too sure about that. But yeah. With, you know, most of the, the artists that we booked at the start, I can't, we kind of, I kind of knew them anyway because yeah. I worked with them as an as an agent. Yes, yeah, so and and then it happened really quickly. And um, there was a couple of years there in the maybe the early you know 2012, 13, 14 around that bit where we did like 40, 45 shows a year, yeah. which yeah. is mental and yeah. and way too many. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the probably. You know, the support of the Australian artists, like, you know, like Jimmy Barnes, uh, like John Farnham, Paul Kelly. Yes. You know, people like James Rain, Baby Animals, Screaming Jets, um, all those kind of bands at the start was so important for us. Noiseworks was another one. Yeah. Yeah. In 2010, I, I thought we had Duran Duran and um, <clears throat> at, at the last minute it didn't happen. And then we were stuck with a whole wedge of shows that uh, we needed to commit to the wineries. And um, we put Noiseworks on with a six band bill and it 
it was amazing. We yeah, we couldn't have sold any more tickets. Yeah, and, we, and it was so much fun. And to see Australian artists, you know, yeah, killing it. Yeah, really killing it. Yeah, um, in that environment, and and that that was a real game changer for us. That tour. It's weird when I talk to uh, artists. Well, it's not weird. It's awesome when I talk to artists and punters who I said that I've got you coming on. The common theme is they want to thank you because a lot of people in regional places and they mm. don't get festivals that go regional. How important was that from the get-go for you to go to all these towns that, you yeah. know, something like that would never happen normally? Well, there's not many wineries in the city, Maddie. So, <laughs> you know, we sort of have to because <laughs> yeah. that was the concept. Yeah. The concept was wineries um, and trying, you know, not, not, and a lot of these big uh, regional towns, you know, the, the, over the 20 years since we've started, like the population explosion in those areas has been has been massive, you know, so there's more people moving out there. Like for example, we've got, yeah. a, we've got a, a ripper venue down in Barrel and in, in, you know, south, it's an hour and a bit south of Sydney and the growth in that area, in that corridor between Sydney and, and the Southern Highlands yeah. is bloody huge. And then you've got people from Wollongong as well and people from Sydney and uh, yeah. the same with the central coast, you know, for the Hunter Valley, all that, so many more people moving in, in, in and around that area. Are you finding there's a difference now? Uh, like you said, we've got Crowded House currently touring mm. at the moment and you are you notice a sensing uh, a newfound excitement for live music now from punters after the last kind of few years that we've had? Oh, hundred percent. Like on the weekend, we did two shows at Sirame Wines up in um, up in Mount Cotton, which is halfway yeah. between Brisbane and the Gold Coast, and we had twenty six thousand people over two nights at a crowded house yeah. with Boy and Bear and the Teskey Brothers and the Waifs, and it was the the vibe was it was insane. It, yeah. it, I, I, we were saying it can't get better. Yeah. It was twenty five degrees, beautiful yeah. night. Um, Everyone on fire, bands on fire, punters loving it. It was just, yeah. you know, it was one of those really good days in the office, you know. Absolutely, man. What are some of the uh, the challenges of putting on a festival that the average punter might not know about or even think about? Is there one thing? Well, it does. You know, there's there's three or four very aggressive promoters in Australia, as you know, and um, you know we just got pipped by one of them on that tour, and it, and it was just too much money. And you know, Michael Gadinsky, to his credit, said we're we're saying no to that one. And if we hadn't have said no to that one, we wouldn't have got the noise we're exactly. having. You know, yeah. Um, but the the, the big challenges these days are costs. Everything's every, everything's gone up since COVID. Like I don't know, I don't even know how. No one knows how to explain it. Like there's freight, insurance. Um, you know, the staging costs, security's gone up, everything's gone up. And, um, yeah, I, w my staff on the weekend, we're going to get some t-shirts made up saying, surely it doesn't cost that much <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, yeah, totally. and, and wear them because it's just, uh, I don't know, the costs are super duper high. And the other one, the other one is the weather, obviously, you know, of course that's, um, I remember again, I, I just keep, you know, I, I keep talking about Michael cause I miss him, but, um, he, he was, he was such a smart guy. And I remember him saying, you know, he became our business partner in, in the really early days. And, yeah. um, he was saying a few years ago, he kept saying, weather is the new peril. Mark my words. Yeah. You know, like this, right. And he was spot on. And mm. because of the weather and because you're outside, insurance has gone up, you know, and yeah. you know, you've, you've seen shows, everyone's seen shows recently getting, getting smashed with rain and, um, and canceled and postponed and all that kind of stuff. So yeah. It's just something that goes with the territory, mate. And, you know, we've got a, you know, my guys have got some sort of platinum, um, um, weather subscription thing that they do. And I used to look at the weather all the time, but now it just stresses me out too much. I just don't even, I don't even look unless, unless we're going to have a real problem. And then we plan, we plan yeah. for it as best we can. And yeah. that's all you can do. I suppose yeah. it's one of the, it's, it does seem like one of those jobs where you're always learning. You've never, you are. you yeah. know, yep. 
It's so Does true. that make it more exciting or more stressful? You, you never stop learning about, about it, you know, how to promote a tour, um, how to make things more interesting for people on the day or better for artists or, yeah. you know, little quirky touches um, that, that we can that we can um, include into the shows that just, just make it more comfortable for people. And, you know, you, you, you can have a really hot tour and promote it shit house and still sell a lot of tickets, yeah. you know, or you can have a pretty average tour and promote it really well and not sell tickets. You know what yeah. I mean? So like, you, you just never know. It's all about the acts for us, really. It's, uh, it's all about the artists. And I think the special ones are the ones that are, you know, at the moment, the special ones, special shows are the ones that are selling. Absolutely. Mm. Well, what I love about the Day in the Greens lineup is, man, it's always been diverse. It's always been, there's always been something different. There's always been, you know, something a bit left to center. I remember 2010 uh, when these guys performed. Ten tennis. Oh, ten tennis. Yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't think that sounded like Leonard Cohen. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I, I remember that one. We, we did a couple of shows with those guys and, um, you know, like, uh, I probably wouldn't go there again. <laughs> yeah. uh, maybe. Like, yeah. and we always used to say a day in the green could be anything at once, you know, and, and that, that Leonard Cohen tour that we did in back in 2012 when yeah. um, he came back out of, you know, being in a in a hiatus or meditating for 10 years or whatever he did, <laughs> yeah, yeah. uh, was insane. You know, we sold a lot of tickets and it took, took us by surprise. Tell me about that show. What was it like meeting him? What was it like? Cause Mo- what, amazing. Cause what, uh, people might not know is like this, this festival really is, it's like a traveling family because there are so many mm. dates. Like mm. I knew when we did it, mm. we became so close with the other bands and it's this yeah, kind it's of fun. fun. Yeah. It's super fun. You don't it, get that anywhere else. It's, it's, it is like, you know, it's, um, <sighs> You know, you try and look after the artists, as I said, and it's, the, 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 the problems can always come up from the time they get there to the time they leave. But, you know, once they're on the plane and flying out of the country, it's usually okay, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, we, we do. We, we try and look after the acts as best we can, and, and some of them have been repeat customers, you know, coming back to tour with us yeah. multiple times. But, and um, they're some of the biggest bands coming back, like Fleetwood Mac. Yeah, you, Fleet, know, you know, like they keep yeah. coming back. Uh, Florence really loved um, – the show in Geelong that we did with her yeah. uh, a couple of years back. And we you know we've got shows with her again this summer coming up and Robbie as well. He, he had an absolute blast and yeah. we've got, I think, um, one, two, three, four, five, five shows with Robbie on the, or six shows yeah, yeah, with yeah. Robbie on the next tour that have just sold like gangbusters as you'd expect. It's crazy, man. Like I said, uh, I told, uh, the Triple M family that you were coming on board and, uh, look, man, just, just a couple of messages from some punters here. Yeah, Mick. Went there, seen the Red Hot Chili Peppers day in the green. Sick concert. It was the best concert I've ever been to, man. Keep rocking on. Thank you for putting together all this awesome music. It was the best times of my life. Hey, Timmy, you got a message for Mick? Oh, I have, Mick, Mick. Mate, I just want to thank you from the bottom of my heart, mate, for giving me live music out there in the open air on some of the best venues that you've got, mate, and some of the best bands we've got in Australia. Cold Chisel, Midnight Oil, Birds of Tokyo. The list goes on, mate. I'm only mentioning a few, but, mate, you rock my world and you've made it so bloody good with these venues, mate. I'm guessing you weren't designated driver on the way home then, Timmy. <laughs> I'm never designated for anything, man. <laughs> Thanks for your message, mate. Cheers, Matty. Hey, Philly's in Melbourne, mate. You got a message from Mick? Mick, just want to say, mate, thank you so much for putting on the day on the green. I never miss it every year. Actually met a really good friend of mine now uh, through the day on the green and can't wait for the, new, the next one coming up. So thanks very much, Mick. Really appreciate it. Philly, you're off to the crowdies too, mate. How pumped are you for that one? Oh, mate, one of my favourite all-time Aussie bands, Matty. <laughs> so, yeah, can't wait to see the crowdies. They're, they're, they're just so good, mate. So good. 
Pretty cool, right? That's pretty amazing. Um, that was really nice of you to chuck that in, Matt. Thank you. Yeah. We've met a lot of great people over the years, like, you know, at, at, in all the local areas that we play and um, the support we get from all the stakeholders, including, you know, the police, um, you know, the, the, the guys that do the car parking, yeah. the guys in the wineries, the councils, the media like yourself, you know, we've got really good media partners. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's fant- really good to hear that actually. Yeah. I'm glad it, it's weird, isn't it? Because mm-hmm. like, you'd know, going as a festival at a punter, you might meet someone, might become a girlfriend, mm. a partner, you might get married, have mm. kids. It's pretty special. I think to have something that you've created that, you know, People have met each other and formed these pretty yeah, cool relationships. Yeah, yeah. A mate of mine, um, he got all emotional at the Leonard Cohen concert in the front row and he accidentally asked his girlfriend to marry him and, <laughs> and then he retracted it. <laughs> it got the best of him. <laughs> How would that fly, Jules? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, oh, there's just so many moments. I can't I can't even. Well, you know, yeah. leave that to me. All oh, right? okay. This, okay. Is a, this is a game we like to call. So this is memory lane. So what I'm going to do is I've gone through the gig history of Dan the Green and I want to see what you remember out of each of these shows. Now, it doesn't need to be about the performance. It could be something that happened backstage or whatever it is. So I'm going back to 2011. What was it like touring Meatloaf? Don't mention the war. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Like we'd already gone on sale and was sold out everywhere. Um, And then he played at the grand final and we were were quite concerned. Here we go. (laughs) That is Meatloaf at the grand final for those who missed it. Lucky he had good backing vocalists is all I can say. (laughs) So what happened after that? Uh, After after, uh, that tour? It's just, just after that grand final performance, were people freaking out? Yeah, yeah, we were freaking out. Yeah, but yeah. we thought it'd be okay, and we thought he'd come good, and you know, and that that you know, again, that was Michael's uh, Michael's tour, and um, we were really keen on Meatloaf, mate, very keen. You yeah, know, what a massive record it was, and mm. um, yeah, I think a, a lot of that tour I just spent in my side office, just trying to, you know, <laughs> I, could, I I didn't feel good about going out to the show. It was, it, look, <laughs> yeah. you know, everyone knows it was ordinary. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, well, I think the, it, that was a disaster at the grand final, but another saving performance at the grand final. Oh. Lionel Richie, talk to me about that. Oh, Lionel. Lionel loves the ladies. That's <laughs> I do know. He, he was so good. Um, what a show. I remember being backstage um, and they're about to come on and he's talking to his bass player and... Um, and there was such a big vibe in the audience and the bass player goes, oh, my God, Lionel, oh, my God. We're going to rock this fucking crowd, man. <laughs> oh, we're going to rock this crowd. <laughs> and they did. And they did. And yeah. he's a great performer. Like, what a sensational artist. Yeah. Like, so many songs, hot band. Yeah. You know, that's what you want. You can really tell the guys that have been around, the artists that have been around for a long time, they have um, really got their touring shit together, yeah. you know, as you know, and they've got really smoking hot bands. Yeah. Yeah. I guess like, um, would Tom Jones be like that as well? Yeah, the same, same kind of just yeah. the ultimate performer yeah. and yeah. you know what you're going to get. And who really surprised me was Joe Cocker. Like, um, you know, I'd never seen him play ever until our shows and um, he just had this phenomenal band. Yeah. And the voice was just a killer, yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, so that was, that was really great. Let's go to 2015. <laughs> 
Mr. Billy Idol. How yeah. was that? That was fun. That was super fun. That was with Cheap Trick as well. So, oh, what, they're great yeah, live. Yeah, we had a ball and um, we actually got a friend who was a copper to come up and do um, um, the Dream Police <laughs> with his cop uniform on and he's... And he's <laughs> But he's batting and all that kind of <laughs> uh, Robin Sanders, he, he, he loved it, you yeah. know. So, um, that, that, yeah, that was a super fun tour. And, and yeah, Billy should come back. Um, I know he, oh, he was out here recently. He did the tennis, I think, too. Yeah, he did. Um, but so many songs again. Absolutely. What about this one? If you're lost, you can look and you will find me. Cindy Lauper. Cindy Lauper? Yes, toured with Blondie. Toured with Blondie, that's right, yeah. and that was a great double bill. Funnily enough, they'd never met each other before. Really? Yeah, Debbie and um, Cindy had never met, or maybe passed, but never played on the same bill. Wow, that's incredible. I know this will uh, bring back some memories. So powerful. Oh, unbelievable. Like, we'd done a lot of shows with John and, and also, you know, Glenn would just get so excited before John came on stage. He'd be sort of like doing, he'd be sort of spinning, doing these little spins because he was just that beside himself and the audience would be so amped. And I remember some of the shows, it was like, um, you know, that Queen thing live, live at Wembley? Yeah. You know, you've seen that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, some of the shows were like that. It was just outrageous. Yeah. You know? Um, and again, so many songs and a, an amazing band. And I, mm. yeah, I really hope hope he's uh, well enough to perform again one day. Yeah, definitely. What a ripper! And it must be so lucky, like we were talking about earlier, taking someone like John Farnham and going like to all of these regional yeah. places. What do, what do you, the artists must love it too? Like we love it, but what do you? Mm. What do the big kind of headliners think? Because like you know, you've got like a Fleetwood Mac going to Mount Cotton. Yeah, they don't. Yeah, it's true. And. Um, yeah, I just remember we did some Alicia Keys shows and um, yeah. they're out in the Hunter Valley and they were like, you know, and they're talking about the band, like, where are we? <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, the moon, they, we had a full moon that night and, you know, um, they were backstage and they, they would do this sort of um, group kind of prayer thing before they went on and the moon was coming up and they were cool. really emotional. It was like a beautiful night. Um, look, when when it's when it's gorgeous weather and the artists on fire and you've got a full house, there's nothing like it. Yeah, yeah. absolutely, man. And what is um just while I've quickly got got you here, we had a a message through from uh, a couple of the fans. Are there any kind of outrageous writers that spring to mind over the journey where you've just like read the piece of paper? You're just like, man, I cannot believe that I we've got to somehow organise that. Now you don't have to mention the artist. Mm. You know what? Apart from um, a couple of bands, you know, wanting organic this and organic that and, yeah. and vegans and like being really <laughs> strict. And I'm, I'm down with that, but like, yeah. but, but being very, very strict about what they wanted and, and taking quite a bit of time to get it all together. Um, and then turning up and, and not wanting it. <laughs> yeah. Another, another yeah. guy who, um, they had, uh, one of the tour party advanced the catering, like, so the. So the artist is not in backstage yet. So, you know, their representative come back and, and, and have a look at the catering and make sure everything's okay. Whoa. Did not like carrots cut cross-sectioned in circles. <laughs> like the carrots cut long ways and skinny. And we're in the middle of nowhere. I'm going to send someone to go and get some more carrots. Like, <laughs> like about like 45 minutes away before the artist. Yeah, get the carrots. <laughs> 
Make sure the cut up ones aren't there when he gets here. Uh, Matt, I've got to ask you about this performance. I was there with you. Uh, you were generous enough to give me a, a pass to the show, and it was quite special. What a show that what, was. What a show, huh? Yeah, that, that was that, incredible, man. Oh, far out. We, we prepped for that show a lot because you've got 22,000 people, it's 40 degrees, the chili peppers are coming on, and we're thinking this could go, get really out of control. Yeah. So we just spent a lot of time, we had a lot of water, you know, I was emceeing that show, so I was trying to sort of like get the crowd into the right frame of you mind. You did a good job with that. I remember that specifically. Yeah. And, and that was like, you know, I really had to carefully think about what I would say and just about how people should be looking after each other. Yeah. You know, the control of the bars was really good. Um, we had those red frog guys, you know, yeah. the volunteers, they were all over the place. Look, there were quite a lot of kids there too. And I think that, that really helped. Mm. Um, but I think because they were kind of, everyone was like music fans and they were really there for the right reasons. Um, yes. And they took on board things that we were saying and they could see they were getting looked after. Mate, the sh- like, what a force of nature that band are. You know, I, if anyone has not seen them, I know they're, you know, they're coming and touring here with um, Post Malone soon, but yeah. that's a band you need to see because they, yeah. I, I saw them at Festival Hall once and the power from the stage it's just wild isn't it yeah for yeah. essentially a three piece what a band man I, I think there was something really magical about that setting as well and yeah. the weather that night too yeah. i think it was, yeah. that gig was just a combination of that, a lot of things that's probably that's in the top three for sure uh, another one i've got to ask about talking about the weather I mean, unbelievable, <laughs> unbelievable shows. Uh, uh, on the first tour, we had a few. On the second tour, we had more. Just insane. And we had, did have that big weather incident in, in the Yarra Valley. For those who weren't there, can you talk us through well, that? Well, mate, I wasn't there either because okay. I, was, I was with Cold Chisel up in Orange in a, in a winery up there. But yep. we had the like rain coming sideways into the stage. Elton's piano was like soaked. The monitors were soaked. And, yeah. and you know, you would know, you know, it's not a good place to be on stage when there's mm. all that water and, ele- and electricity combined because it was a you know a thunderstorm, a electrical storm as well. Yeah, yeah, and I I wasn't there, so I didn't see it all. But um, it was uh, you know it made new- <laughs> it made news everywhere. Yeah, and um, you know it was just one of those things. And, and and like I said, when the weather's perfect and the, and the and the sun's out and it's dry, pretty easy to put on an outdoor show. I'm not saying it's easy at all. Yeah, but when it's when it gets wet. And when you've got any kind of issues going on, that's when it gets hard. And I'd like to think after 500 shows that at least we are prepared as anyone can be yeah. um, when when stuff goes down. What's been the most satisfying kind of confirmation of an artist that, uh, you know, you've been pitching for and then it's just like, is it Elton? So it's like, oh, my God. He said, yes, we've got it. We're, like, we've done it. Like, what's mm. been the most satisfying? Was it in the early years when you were – Still trying to get the festival up and going, or was it? Uh... Yeah, it was Jackson Jackson Brown. Really early days, like it may have been two thousand six or two thousand seven. Yeah, um, when it was our first international tour, and the you know it was a lot a big step up in in the money, and um, yeah, I think we had five shows on that tour. We, you know, it was a real. Um, it could have gone either way. Yeah. Um, and I remember being out somewhere, and um, I was actually in the gym, I think, and in in those days. It, when a, when a tour went on sale, I, I, I wouldn't pay that much attention because I didn't think it'd be so, 
so yeah. big. Yeah. But uh, the guy in the gym said, oh, there's a phone call for you here, mate. And I was like, get the phone. And it's like, um, you know, Karen in the office and just said, it's, it's through the fucking roof. <laughs> yeah. And it was like, holy, yeah. it was so good. And so that was, that was a real moment when I just yeah. was like, you know, when you're just like so pumped to that, you, you, you sort of don't know what to say. <laughs> um, that was great. <clears throat> you know, some of the Australian bills were put together. There was a lineup we did with the, um, what it was the gurus, the violent Femmes, the sunny boys died pretty and rat cat. Yeah. That was, that was a good one. Oh, I was, was a, a beauty. We just yeah. sold so many tickets and, yeah. and it was such a fun day. Like mm. it, from the start to the end, um, that, that was a ripper, you know, touring the pretenders was for me exciting because I've always loved that band and, and, yeah. and Chrissy's a, a formidable kind of uh, person. Oh, there's but mate, so many, so many times. Um, but you know, when, when we start working with artists, like you've mentioned, like Robbie Williams and Fleetwood Mac yeah, yeah, and yeah. Sting, um, and Elton, sort of very um, satisfying that the the local promoters that I buy the shows off here, mm. uh, like Frontier and Live Nation and, and Chuggy um, and their agents and managers overseas and the artists themselves actually entrust us with their artist, yeah. you know? Yeah. Because uh, they know we don't chintz on, on costs and, and they know they're going to get looked after. And, you know, there's no point, you know, squibbling over a couple of grand when, you know, the problem, the outfall of, of not giving them what they need. Yeah. Which, and it's fair enough. Yeah. Um, if you don't do it. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that, yeah. So, you know, having, being able to have those conversations with big artists and knowing that, um, we can, we can pull off those kind of shows is, um, yeah. is great. Well, the proof's in the pudding because you look at a lot of the bands that have played and especially the big internationals and they keep coming back. Yeah. I mean, that must be quite flattering yeah, as well. Yeah, it's It's awesome. Uh, you know, we, like I said, before, like a couple of years, we, we did 40 plus shows and um, now we're probably in a sweet spot of like, you know, between 20 and 24 around there, but um, yeah. they're all, they're all in they're, at the moment, you know, mostly international artists in yeah, this summer and the next. That's pretty exciting. I'm going to ask you about this tour as well, their final. Did show some Macarada project. Oh my God. Tell me about that, man, because I imagine when you were growing up and you were, you were at Premier too, that's when the Oils were still playing. Yeah. Club. No, they, they were still around. Yeah, I, I saw them at um, the London Tavern in Caulfield where- um, Oh, really? Yeah, it's a really low roof and, and Peter um, flipped the mic and, you know, that little tripody thing on, he just bashed the shit out of the whole, <laughs> whole roof. Yeah. I saw them at um, the Pier Hotel in Frankston that they actually- Really? Absolutely destroyed the joint and, and that was within excess supporting them oh and God. Serious Young Insects who went- to become uh, Boom Crash Opera. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that band for me, that Head Injuries album, um, and you know, they were really important. You know, I was, um, I'd, I'd go and see them so many times in the sort of, I think the Pier Ho that was like 1980 or, yeah. or 81. Yeah. So I was only a kid. Crazy, man. And so mm. what was it like, you know, watching them kind of do their yeah, final? Yeah, amazing. Yeah. yeah I mean, uh, yeah, that's that's one that I, I didn't even think of before. But, um, mm. you know, to see the band, you know, and Peter warming up backstage, about to go on, yeah, you know, it's pretty intense. Yeah. And they just deliver every night, as you know. Absolutely. Mm. And one more, just confirmed. Yeah, that's going to be a big one. Isn't it? Very big one. <laughs> yeah. Especially because he's touring with Cindy Lauper and uh, John Stevens, we've got opening as well. So it's oh. going to be absolute monster. Um, awesome. And we've done a couple of shows with Rod. How many did we do? Three or four with Rod yeah. on a couple of tours back. And um, oh, incredible artist. 
yeah. incredible. Like so many songs and just the real, of course, the real deal. And yeah. and one of those um, one of those acts who have just got the, the most in, insane musicians around them as well. So yeah. um, really great. Yeah, looking forward to that. Awesome. Well, Mick, thanks so much for coming in. Thank uh, you for having we're me. Celebrating five hundred shows. Here's to five hundred more. And from a band's perspective too, I've just got to say it's uh, there's so much fun to play, and they do so much for a band. So much exposure. You, people listening right now, when you play a day in the green show, you can sell merch, you can do everything, mm. and it really does kind of propel your band to the next level. So on behalf of yeah. All the bands, thank you, and all the listeners as well. And uh, like I said, exciting, man. I, yeah. I can't wait to be there at your 500. It's going to be you. really special. Thanks very much. And we don't mind giving you opening bands, you know, another slab on the rider when you ask for it. <laughs> <laughs> as you know. <laughs> Cheers, Nick. All right.